0: How does our need to be liked by our teachers to make them happy affect our learning and personal growth? That's what I'm pondering this week on The Hearth of Satbush Hollow, episode 36. <music> Welcome to The Hearth of Sapbush Hollow, chronicles and lessons from a life tied to family, community, and the land. I'm Shannon Hayes and I operate Sapbush Hollow Farm with three generations of my family in the northern Catskill Mountains in upstate New York. I'm the chef-owner of Sapbush Cafe, a farm-to-table and neighbor-to-neighbor experience open Saturdays in our tiny hamlet of West Fulton. And I'm also the author of a few books including Radical Homemakers, The Grass-Fed Gourmet, and forthcoming Redefining Rich, Achieving True Wealth with Small Business, Side Hustles, and Smart Living, due out from Ben Bella Books in August 2021. This podcast is the audio version of my blog, which can be found at sapbush.com or theradicalhomemaker.net. Psychic training, violin, and fashion design These are not the academic subjects I'd have chosen for my 13-year-old daughter, but she's begged, pleaded, found the money, found her teachers, and organized to work the lessons in between her writing classes, farm tours, waiting tables, and math lessons. According to my conventional academic upbringing, these courses are electives, those unimportant little blow-off classes that suggested school administrators supposedly understood how to instill fun in learning ula they're the real deal they are the seeds of a self-defined life where creative passion couples with life skills in such a way that she forges her own unique path for me they represent a window of freedom i don't have to teach as much if she's now finding other teachers and she takes them seriously Too seriously, I fear. The frown on her face as she stomps around the house, moving from French darts to tarot cards, is worrisome. She crawls into bed beside me one night and heaves a giant sigh. I jump to the first conclusion that pops into my mind You don't like these things as much as you thought you did? I hope this isn't true. Her intuitive gifts have been bubbling to the surface since she was a little kid, creating anxiety as she picked up on other people's feelings and emotions and confused them with her own. I see her now learning to sift and separate and keep herself grounded while helping others. As for fashion, both the girls, in spite of their flannel-clad parents, have a fascination with drape, line, and color. Fashion design for them is empowering. It's putting skills and knowledge at their fingertips so that they can bring their visions to life. And violin? Ah, the violin. I love every little plucky sound that comes out of it. I stopped teaching her to read music when she was little because her eyesight was so poor she couldn't discern the notes on the page. That's all different now. Her dad and I both feel there are few greater joys in life than being able to pick up a musical instrument. I value these studies as critical to her education and development. They are of her choosing. She has done nearly all the legwork to make them happen. I really hope she doesn't suddenly decide she's not interested. But it's the opposite. I don't want to get it wrong. She begins to cry. This year, she has chosen her teachers. When it came to psychic training and fashion design, she had to work to get them. Kate, a professional fashion designer, comes into the cafe regularly. Corby, a professional psychic, sits every week at the counter. Ula chose them as her mentors years ago. She had to build relationships with them, convince both of these women, who were not educators by trade, that she was serious enough about the subjects to be a worthy investment of her time. I thought I helped her organize these classes this year, but as I reflect back, she has been setting them up for nearly half a decade. The subjects aren't easy. It's fun to shuffle and fiddle with a deck of tarot cards. It's another matter entirely to memorize all 78 cards, then integrate them with one's intuition, then learn how to help a client frame their queries in a constructive way, all without growing overly invested in a client's emotions, all while learning the ethical rules of practice. It's fun to buy clothes at Goodwill to mix and match, or tear out seams to remake them to fit better, or to chop up scraps to sew doll outfits. It's another matter entirely to study how a piece of fabric drapes over the human body, how a tiny snip at precisely measured points will enable the fabric to bend to a curve, how to draw an article of clothing from imagination and then bring it into being in three dimensions. It's fun to practice holding a violin and pulling the bow across the strings. It's another matter to learn to tune it, to find the notes along the strings, to teach one's fingers to respond to the written notes on a page. I'm worried I'm going to disappoint them all. Ulla starts to weep. I thought I'd be good at all these. I'm bad at them. There's the rub. The catastrophe of perfectionism. How did my daughter come to this? She did not get it from me. I've often joked with Bob that the secret to my success has been just enough egotistical hubris to squelch my inner self-critic. Books get written because I, perhaps mistakenly, assume that people will want to read them. Podcasts get recorded because I just assume someone's going to listen. Crazy business decisions happen based on my own unique style of analysis, and we charge forward with the smoke and mirrors of my convictions. Sometimes things go really well, but I'm wrong with frequency. Products flop, sales flounder, customers complain, money gets wasted, and then I learn something new, and that's just the most exciting thing ever, and I try again. You know that you have to commit to being bad at something in order to get good at it, right? I tell her. She knew this when she was little. She desperately wanted to ice skate, so she suited up and charged across our neighbor's pond, flopping and flailing and smacking down the whole way until she could charge and speed around the ice, weaving in and out of all her friends and neighbors. While other kids stayed safe, clung to chairs and avoided falls, Ula crashed and tumbled and learned to skate. I remember her. I remind her of this. She couldn't become a decent skater without being a horrible skater first. If I don't get it right, they're going to be upset with me, she sniffles ouch i don't know where the perfectionism worked its way into her psyche actually i think kind of blame her dad for that but that's a story for another day but this one huh? i'm guilty of it the disease to please you aren't taking classes to please them i bark at her you're taking classes to learn from them You're supposed to be wrong, to not know things so that they can teach you. Being wrong is a right. How did this happen? How did my daughter grow up with an assertive, strong mother only to care so much about people that she worries more about making them happy than she does about learning and growing in the ways she most needs and wants to grow? And that's the moment when I should climb out of the bed and go stand before a mirror. Only I can't. It was hard enough to hobble up here as it is. My body is so beaten down from this particular season that it takes me several minutes to unfold and loosen my feet enough to walk. The books and knitting projects I love are heaped up next to my bedside table because I've been too wrapped up with my work to let my mind drift off to them. And work is about my sense of obligation to my family, to my customers, all of whom I love so dearly, I don't want to let them down in any way. Just like Ula doesn't want to let down these teachers she has come to love so dearly. But lying here on this bed with my child, I'm so tired. She wants to talk. She needs to talk. Yet long days make my eyelids heavy. I may have fewer formal lessons to teach in the morning, but there are so many lessons to teach as she cuddles beside me right now, about honoring our need to learn and to grow, about our right to be wrong, to ask questions without fear, to try and fail, or, in my case, to rest. All without worrying about whether people will feel let down by us. We have to trust that we are good people at our core, that we are on a good path, that we are worthy of love, even if we don't always meet others' expectations. Because when we do, we ask We challenge, we learn, we rest, we heal, we reflect, and we help everyone around us do the same. Then we start the process all over again. And this is how we make a life of our own
1: design. Folks, this
0: is is my last podcast of the season. It's time for me to wind things down, to live a little more privately, and begin the process of recharging my batteries for next year. If all goes as planned, the Hearth of Satbush Hollow podcast will return in spring of 2021. Thanks to the support of my blog patrons, all the back archives have been restored to public access for the next few months. So now you can re-listen to back episodes while I'm hibernating. All of these podcasts happen with the support of my patrons on Patreon. This week, I would like to send a shout out to my patrons Marge Berger and Anne Bogart. Thank you, folks. I could not do it without you. If you'd like to support my work for as little as a dollar a month, please head on over to the Shannon Hayes page on Patreon and sign up. You'll have access to exclusive content, including chapters from my novel in progress, Angels and Stones. I've taken my inspiration from Charles Dickens and serialized the book for your reading pleasure. The chapters from the previous year's postings are all up there, and we will pick up with season three of Angels and Stones in January. That said, my first post in January will include all the chapters from the private season, so if you're coming late, don't worry, we will bring you up to speed before moving forward. On another note, our family has always celebrated Samhain on October 31st. It is a day when we give thanks for the animals who give their lives for our health, and it is a day when those who have gone before us are believed to come back for a visit. This year's Sawin falls on a Sapbush Saturday. We would like to use that day at the cafe to honor the dead. We'll have a Sawin altar set up there. If you are in town and you wish to add a photo or artifact of your year to the Sawin altar, please come by and do so. All prepared food sales from that day will be donated to the family of our longtime regular customer and good friend, Ron Cleave, who passed earlier this month. The leaves are nearly all gone from the trees here in upstate New York, making for a fabulous light show as the sun illuminates the naked canopy and wood smoke spirals out of chimneys. It's the perfect time to be ordering one of our wool blankets. Each year we send our fleeces to Prince Edward Island where they're woven into the softest wool blankets you've ever felt. They're beautiful, machine washable, and they will last for generations. We also have our wool processed into organic comforters and pillows. Wool bedding is naturally fire retardant, mold and mildew resistant and it enables your skin to breathe easier and helps your body to thermoregulate better than downer synthetics. We can ship our wool bedding anywhere, so scroll on over to sapbushfarmstore.com and check them out. Speaking of comforters, we're running out of days for our October Comforter Special. Buy any wool comforter and we will include a free wool pillow with your purchase. No coupon codes are necessary. Just buy the comforter before the 31st and we will automatically include it. And. While you're at our website, please don't forget to explore our yarn. Our wool is not carbonized, which means it isn't dipped in sulfuric acid prior to spinning, which is a common industrial mill practice in this country that strips the fibers of their lanolin. Rather, our fleeces are just washed in plain old soap and water prior to being dyed and spun. That leaves us with lanolin-rich, colorful yarns that won't dry out your hands as you crochet and knit. Our skeins are 4 ounces worsted weight, about 220 yards each. They feel so scrumptious, they are like candy for your hands. Now moving along, it is time to order your lamb and pork shares. While you can always buy our pastured grass fed meats by the retail cut, if you have the storage, ordering one of our whole half or quarter animal shares is still the most economical way to acquire your meat. You can learn more about CSA shares at sapbushfarmstore.com. If you don't have storage, or you have a smaller household, We are reintroducing Sap Bush subscriptions. When you sign up for a monthly subscription, which can be picked up or shipped, you get seven to 10 pounds of mixed grass-fed and pastured meat cuts, including a roast, some breakfast meats, something for the slow cooker, and something for quick cooking. You also get a quart of bone broth and two servings of our homemade frozen heat and eat cafe meals so that you don't have to cook dinner when you get home. We're hearing from our customers who trialed these shares this year that one box lasts a household of two moderate meat eaters for about a month. In my house with three farming teams, well, we might be able to stretch it for about a week. These monthly shares are designed to help smaller households or those without storage enjoy comparable savings to the whole and half animal shares. We get to select the cuts, which helps us move through our inventory at an even pace, and you get 15-25% to savings, depending on the length of your subscription, off our products. And we promise, no organ meats in the mix. If you want those, you can order them separately at sapbushfarmstore.com. These are all first-quality, easy-to-cook cuts like roasting chickens, pork chops, bacon, breakfast sausage, ground lamb, beefsteaks, and the like. Sat Bush Cafe remains open for outdoor dining and takeout from 9 to 1 on Saturdays until December 19th. After Christmas, we will move entirely online with shipping and self-serve pickup for the winter, and we expect to reopen the first Saturday in April. If you are looking to stay in the B&B, We've begun offering last minute midweek discounts, so be sure to check Farm to Table Retreat on Airbnb frequently to catch a chance to enjoy late autumn or even some beautiful winter in West Fulton at great prices. Now, to my fellow farmers, again, thanks for listening and thanks for the hard work you're doing. We are navigating through a lot of instability as a nation. Now more than ever, we need each other to be there and to hold strong. We're weaving a new food system. We're trying to sow peace and sustenance amidst pain, loss, hatred, and confusion. We can get through this. We can come through this period with a healthier planet, a healthier food system, and with greater justice and kindness. But we need as many people at the table as possible to make it work. So please remember that you cannot execute your calling if you aren't well. Take care of yourselves. The work we can do to build health and restore community is endless, but we can only do what the day allows. Please be kind to each other, then get some rest so you can keep going strong tomorrow. The work will always be there another day. Folks, thank you, all of you, for listening this season. I hope the coming late fall and winter brings joy, comfort, peace, and good health to all of you. And I really look forward to joining you again in the spring. This was produced and edited by the sexiest man alive, my husband, Bob Hooper, and the great music we're listening to comes to us from Memory. Thanks for listening and have a great week.